Welcome to episode 205. I'm Stuart McCullough. I'm the CEO of BHAA. And with me today is the Manager of Workplace Relations Services, Tim Nagel. Welcome, Tim. Hey, Stuart. Uh, good to be here, as always. Good to be as in here, I think. Uh, and it's been a while since we've done one of these together, I think, Tim. It has been a little while. Um, but, you know, we're back, we're back with a bang because, uh, uh, as you know, I've been tasked with uh, gathering a clue for today's uh, podcast. So I've been busily doing that. And this is something of a role reversal, so I'm feeling a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit out of my comfort zone here, but uh, would you be good enough to reveal uh, the, the clue for today's subject? Yeah, so uh, let's just see that in a photo. Okay, okay. I'm just going to ask, um, in terms of sourcing this clue, Tim, uh, was it difficult? It wasn't difficult at all. In fact, I didn't even get past my wardrobe. Excellent. All right, so we've got a, an item from the Tim Nagel collection, uh, <laughs> as such. And that, uh, so, would you, would you describe what's in that photo? I'd rather not, given the choice. But uh, nevertheless, that's not the way this, these things are done. Uh, it's it's an apron. Uh, let, let's say that it's an apron. Uh, it looks like it has the print of Superman uh, on the uh, apron. So based on this photo and this photo alone, can you guess the topic of today's podcast? Look, it's a game of two halves, I think, Tim. We've got the apron uh, and the apron and the apron strings, uh, but the apron says to me something about the kitchen, something of a culinary uh, nature. And, but we've also got Superman, and Superman, uh, he was uh, from the planet uh, Kryptonite. And if we break that down, that word into two halves, we've got Krypton, and we've got night. So I'm going to go with cooking at night. <laughs> that was a good guess, but uh, unfortunately, you couldn't be more wrong. Uh, so the topic of today relates to the, the implementation issues associated with the nurses and midwives agreements and is twofold, same as the strings on that apron you've noticed. Hmm. Uh, first, super annuation payments whilst on parental leave. And secondly, lead apron allowance which i've now abbreviated the the podcast to to, to superman apron superman apron um, that is the name of my next band i'm just going to say uh, but let's begin let's begin with lead apron allowance sure all right so the lead apron allowance tim is a is a new allowance under the proposed nurses and midwives agreement ah uh, yes that's correct uh, so as you can see on the screen at the moment, uh, we've inserted 30.A or 30A into the agreement, lead apron allowance. And what that clause says is that from the first full pay period on or after the 1st of July 2020, an employee who is required as part of their usual duties to wear a lead apron is to be paid the lead apron allowance in Appendix 2 for each shift or part thereof on which the lead apron is worn. So that covers off what the lead apron allowance is. I guess the next obvious question is who receives the lead apron allowance? Yes, yeah, so the lead apron allowance applies to nurses or midwives whose usual duties require them to wear a lead apron. Now, the main areas it will apply to are those nurses working in either interventional radiology or alternatively the cardiac catheter laboratory. And look, I take it if, if Ned Kelly had been a nurse, uh, he would be entitled to this allowance? 
I would have thought so. I would have thought so too. Can it apply in areas other than the two that you mentioned? Look, it can, but it's it's quite unlikely. Uh, as the usual duties component really requires the employee to be wearing the lead apron more often than not, which is uh, highly unlikely to occur outside of interventional radiology and the cardiac catheter laboratory. So if the allowances pay on the employee's usual duties, what's the reason for paying it on a daily basis? So the allowances pay daily on the basis that a person's ordinary duty may be linked to a particular pattern of work. Uh, for example, an employee may provide a particular service every Thursday in a, work in a work environment, such as an operating theatre that requires the individual to wear a lead apron. Uh, this situation would lead to the employee receiving the daily allowance for part of the work week, but not all of it. Again, though, this is a very unlikely uh, to be a common circumstance. And does the employee need to confirm the employee has, in fact, utilised a lead apron on a particular shift for it to be payable? Uh, so no, there's no requirement for a lead apron check throughout the shift. The allowance is just paid on the usual duty, so there will be occasions and maybe even days where the apron is not worn. The employee still receives the payment on that, on the basis that it's part of their usual duties. So dealing with um, the payment for an allowance during an ordinary shift is one thing. What about things like recall and overtime? No, so it's just on rostered ordinary time. An employee would never receive multiple day payments for the same day. Okay. What about casual uh, employees? Do they Are they entitled to receive the lead apron allowance? Yes, yeah, so the casual employees are not excluded from the lead apron allowance clause. So it will depend on whether the employee is required as part of their usual duties to wear a lead apron. It may be that health services consider paying casuals the allowance on days where the casual employees use to backfill people who usually do get the lead apron. But that's really a matter for health services about how to most efficiently administer that allowance. Okay. Um, and just in terms of, so that covers the lead apron allowance, uh, Tim. Um, probably should just cover off, it, it took effect from a particular date. Um, was that 1st of July 2020? It was, and of course, as people know, um, back in early 2020, we uh, wrapped up the agreement in about March, and we thought we would have it well and truly implemented by July, but uh, there were circumstances that conspired against us. So uh, the date seems unusual now, but at the time it wasn't. Uh, and I think that our approach of uh, putting employees into categories to determine usual duties is a way in which retrospectively um, the correct payment can be identified. And just in terms of 1 July 2020, that means that it's probably no good for Ned Kelly, uh, having him expired uh, well before that date. He made me sing. Yes, uh, Tim, does that take us to our next subject? It does. It, it puts us into the, uh, the super component of Super Apron. So Tim, let's just go through the reason uh, that we have a provision with regards to superannuation payments on paid and unpaid parental leave. Why has a term on this subject been included in the new nurses and midwives agreement? Yeah, look, so look, the nursing and midwifery workforce is a predominantly female workforce, and we know that there is a large gender gap in lifetime superannuation earnings between males and females more generally. So this is at least in part due to periods of, un of paid and unpaid superannuation periods uh, during things such as parental leave. So the changes in the superannuation payment for parental leave are designed to assist with that issue. All right, so it's about closing the gap with regards to lifetime earnings. Uh, can you take us through the new subclause that that outlines this entitlement? 
So as you can see on the screen, uh, the subclause reads in part as follows. Uh, superannuation during parental leave from the 1st of July 2021. So from 1st of July 2021, the employer will make superannuation contributions throughout any period of parental leave, paid or unpaid. Such contributions will be calculated as follows. The employee's ordinary time earnings as defined in the Superannuation Guarantee, Administration Act 1992, calculated on the employee's pre-salary packaging earnings and the additional amounts consistent with the trustee of the superannuation fund over 26 full pay periods immediately prior to commencing parental leave and divided by 52. And that then constitutes the weekly parental leave super contribution. Just in terms of that date of 1 July 2021, I'm sure that everybody uh, watching this podcast has already implemented uh, that change. Um, but just to reinforce how important uh, it is that that is a hard date. It's not a first full pay period on or after. It is 1 July uh, 2021. And it's absolutely uh, essential that those contributions are made uh, as soon as practicable because with super, um, when super contributions are made, that money goes to work. Uh, and so the sooner it is, uh, the contribution is made, the, the quicker it goes to work. Uh, so Tim, just in terms of that, uh, the term that you've outlined, the weekly parental leave super contribution is calculated by dividing the last 26 pay, pay periods by 52. That is, it's an average really of the last 52 weeks of pay. Correct. So how is unpaid leave factored into the weekly parental leave super contribution? So the clause is clear on how the calculation is to be made. Uh, the unpaid leave periods are included within the calculation of average superannuation if they if they occurred within the last 22, 26 full pay periods immediately prior to the employee commencing the parental leave. So that's a circumstance where someone has un, unpaid leave prior to going on parental leave. Is that correct? Yeah, or it could be you know it could be a week of unpaid leave here, or a day here, or a longer period. The, the clause um, is very clear, though, about how that weekly parental leave superannuation contribution payment is made. So mindful in that context, uh, periods of unpaid leave prior to parental leave, that's probably a smaller group of people. Uh, yes. Does a period of parental leave at half pay impact the quantum of the weekly parental leave super contribution? No, it won't, as the calculation is the same for both periods of paid and unpaid parental leave. So there's no difference between the two. So the calculation is the same uh, on the yeah, payments. It means it's a totally neutral consideration. Correct. And what's the impact of things like staying in touch days uh, with uh, weekly parental uh, leave super contribution? Yeah, so a full-time employee on unpaid parental leave uh, normally may receive $200 per fortnight in average uh, weekly superannuation contribution or fortnightly superannuation contribution. If they worked an additional shift so that one of those staying in touch days, it would be put on top of the average. So they would, for that fortnight, receive $220. They wouldn't be penalised for working those staying in touch days. Okay. And what about casuals and, and casual loading? Uh, is that included in the calculation of the weekly parental leave super contribution? So the clause is, again, clear on how the calculation is to be made. The casual loading is included as it constitutes pre-salary packaging earnings. What occurs if the employee increases their hours closer to the end of the pregnancy so that the average superannuation paid is, is below the super paid immediately prior to the commencement of the parental leave? Yeah, so again, um, uh, the clause is clear in terms of how that payment is calculated and made. 
But given superannuation payments are not required on the paid and unpaid portion of parental leave, the employer will always be advantaged compared with legislation. And it's probably also worth noting people are more likely to decrease rather than increase uh, immediately prior to a period of parental leave and that averaging um, provision uh, effectively smooths, uh, smooths that out. Uh, Tim, what about um, to whom this is paid, uh, particularly in the context of parental leave where we have a primary carer and a non-primary carer, um, uh, is the weekly par uh, parental leave super contribution payable to the non-primary carer as, uh, during any period of unpaid concurrent parental leave? Uh, so it is. It's paid to both the primary carer and the non-primary carer. The clause doesn't differentiate between those two, um, so they would both receive it. So Tim, the, the Superannuation Guarantee Act determines the minimum amount of superannuation that must be paid to an employee every three months. What occurs if the percentage required under the Act increases uh, during the three-month period, for example, from 9.5% to 10%? Yeah, so this is similar to um, where they change their contracted hours decrease. So it would obviously have an impact, but because the legislation doesn't require people to pay on the parental leave, they will always be advantaged by that sum. So the calculation is clear, but employees aren't disadvantaged when compared with the legislation. And Tim, where can members obtain further information on, on either of these subjects, the lead apron allowance or superannuation payments on parental leave? So we've created some frequently asked questions and we've placed them both on Yammer and they'll also be on the website under the implementation material. Um, but also people can ask uh, through the query line additional questions if the frequently asked questions don't cover their particular query. And Tim, we might, we might end this podcast where we started and that, that's with Superman. Do you think it's strange that he's allergic to his own planet? Um, Superman can't stand kryptonite. He comes from Krypton, it's strange that he should be allergic to, to the place that he comes from. Or explains him leaving. It does, actually. If that is a compelling case for relocation, uh, if, if I heard one. Uh, and perhaps relocation allowance might be the subject of, uh, of another podcast. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be a great idea. Tim, thank you for taking us through the red apron allowance and superannuation payments on parental leave. My pleasure. Reach